0: podcast for scuba divers everywhere. Take your seat at The Dive Table with your hosts, Jay Gardner and Sarah Miller. Welcome to The Dive Table. I'm Jay Gardner, and with me, as always, is Sarah Miller. Sarah, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing fantastic. Uh, Daniel, our producer, let me know that I am allowed to have a fan on for these recordings. (laughs) So I have a little bit of airflow today. It's not going to be as sweaty of a podcast as last episode. So I'm I'm feeling fabulous.
0: That's great. <laughs> How I are thought you? It was, uh, I thought it was kind of your, your trick, you know, put yourself in the pressure cooker and then you produce better <laughs> content was the trick here. I was like, oh, maybe I should try that out. But no, uh, I'm glad you can have a fan because hyperventilating uh, during a podcast <laughs> is probably not a good idea.
1: <laughs> well, I just remember um obviously Daniel is much better at producing you know sound production than I am uh, because I did a video. For my youtube channel once it, it was so hot i was in california and it was so hot and i was doing a video talking about dry suits right and i had a fan on for that and i got multiple comments about how annoying the fan was so obviously i just <laughs> didn't do a good job editing it um but that's why i've always shut it off since then because i'm like i don't want to like i don't want the content to sound annoying you know like no one's gonna stick around for that yeah. Um, but yeah anyway yeah, Feeling there's good. nothing worse
0: than a podcast with bad audio, right? You turn it up in your yeah. in your car, and then all of a sudden you have bad audio or pops. So, thank you, producer Daniel, for making this <laughs> sound good at least. And uh, I'm glad again you can have a fan because that would not be nice to sit in the, the hot box to uh, to do yeah. a podcast recording. Totally. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm uh I'm a bit tired and I'm really itching to go diving. It's been uh, a few weeks now, a little longer than that. What? And it's just been like the stars will have to align during this season because we've had so much rain and king tides and this and that and the other right. thing. So it's like you have a window and if you're not available during that window, then the window closes and there's another week that passes and so we were going to go diving last week and of course we get up in the morning, we're ready to go and starts raining. So you can't go in the ocean when it's raining or I shouldn't say you can't, you shouldn't go in the ocean when it's raining. Um, in fact, I went and looked up. I do that all the time. (laughs) The recommendation was 72 hours after a rain event to get in the Hmm. water and they were tracking the data from, uh, multiple sources, but around, you know, basically the runoff and things that go into the ocean, which is just gross. But, a reality yeah. uh, for you know people getting sick uh, or flu-like symptoms after being in the ocean after a rain. So again, you can you know push that to forty-eight hours or whatever you're comfortable with, or be in there during the rain. Um, but the uh, the recommendation uh, according to the EPA was seventy-two hours after a rain event, then you can get back in the water. So it's interesting, wow. but also just has been killing my diving and. Right. Uh, I've not. I've been in the pool like four times, just you know, just to get wet, and it's <laughs> ridiculous. Like, there's only so much you can do with a nine foot pool. Where you're like, okay, I, I love being in the water. This is good. I got like an hour in the water, but it's a pool still. Like, there's only so much. Like, I, I want to go back in the ocean. So, I'm itching. Right. I'm dying. I, all the stress levels go up. Everything happens when I don't go diving. So it's it's time.
1: So that has to be, that must be specific to shore diving. You're talking about runoff and getting sick. Yes. Yes.
0: Likely, yes. Because I was like, I've
1: definitely, like, I've gone diving in the rain so many times, but it's, I just was thinking about it's always off of a boat.
0: Off a boat. Yeah. You can go off a boat um, and that's, that's all good. But shore diving, because of the runoff, and they talk about, you know, and again, this is a whole, we should do a whole episode on this, but because it's fascinating (laughs) to me, but, you know, the runoff that happens. Uh, not only from you know the the sewage and things like that that can get in the water, but pesticides, animal uh, you know stuff, um, <laughs> so on and so forth, all w- can wash in. And especially when it's a significant rain event like we're having, you know, the last few times it's rained, this is like supposed to get a year's worth of rain in like three days, uh, which is crazy. So when that I've happens, seen that. things overflow. You know. Um, there's a whole organization that focuses on testing the water after rain events and also identifying the things that are there. That are like shopping carts and all sorts of things wash up on the shore. So uh, so yeah, uh, not a good idea to go shore diving after it's a big rain event in the ocean.
1: Well, thank you for sharing that. I'm still such a new shore diving diver that I had never even thought of that but it absolutely makes sense. I mean, land is disgusting with everything that's going on here. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, makes I had sense. this weird epiphany the other day too. So so dumb and people are probably going to totally make fun of me about this, but I had this thought we were driving, it's pouring down rain, I have all the girls with me in the car and it's raining and they were, we were talking about how you know the the clouds actually suck up the water from the ocean and then bring it over the land and that's what causes the rain. And one of my daughters was like, "Yeah, that's why it's so salty." I'm like, "Well, actually, you know, the, the doesn't have salt because remember, if we hold salt, will it drop or will it float up? No, it will drop. Yeah, so it can't go up into the clouds." Anyways, this whole conversation was ongoing and it just had this stupid thought where it's like, "Oh, this is such an equalization. It takes the water from the ocean." It drops it back over the land, any water that goes back into the ocean, it's kind of a net zero sum, except for the water that that soaks into the aquifers down below into the land. I was like, "Oh, this is wow, nature's such an amazing you know equalizer of things and that was my thought as I'm driving by myself, and of course, I have three young children that I have this thought with, and I almost opened my mouth and started to say, "You know isn't this amazing? How about?" And I was like, no, this is, no, just hold it to myself. This is the first <laughs> time I've mentioned out, out loud since that conversation in the car.
1: Well, it's like, you know that, right? But then there's, there's, um, that moment of appreciation, right? It's, I, I, get that all the time when I'm out on the road, like in nature, you just look around and you're like, wow. Like just, it's sort of a, an awe moment, you know, and being really present of like, there's, there's magic in this planet, like in this world. It's pretty, it's incredible.
0: Yes. Agreed. Well, we, we have rambled. This is good, good opening. Now I want to do an episode on shore diving water runoff into the ocean and water qualities and talk, start talking this whole different series for later, but that would be an awesome. Let's find a
1: scientist for that. Like somebody who like legit knows what's up. I, we're going to put it in the, the list.
0: Good, good call. Good call.
1: All right. So today we're going on to episode two. If you listened to last episode, we discussed our uh, experience and trajectory uh, through the recreational courses. I shared my story, Jay shared his. And so today we're doing episode two of diving into our professional level courses. And I think this is going to be uh, another interesting conversation because we've gone through very different paths. and. Um, yeah, I'm I'm excited to share what I've learned through it cuz as with my recreational experience, I made a ton of mistakes.
0: So <laughs> I love
1: I love sharing these things so that hopefully somebody else doesn't suffer as much as I did. <laughs>
0: Me too. Me too. Yes.
1: <laughs> so why don't um since I kicked off last one, why don't you start? Because we, we were blabbing on my story for like half an hour. So let's let's get you in
0: this. <laughs> oh, I loved it though. I loved it. Feel free to interrupt at any point with my story <laughs> and ask me questions or add two cents because it's an interesting yeah. one. But yeah, I mean, becoming a pro was I, I don't want to say it was a foregone conclusion for me because it wasn't, but I love teaching. It's what I do when I'm not in scuba. It's what I do, period, right? It's where I'm at my best. I think we talked about that on one of the episodes of, you know, where I feel like I'm at my best. And so when I'm teaching out of passion and something that I care about, I'm at my best. So, you know, it was not a foregone conclusion, but it was one of those things in the back of my mind, even in my open water class of like, you know, someday this might, might happen. Um, and of course, you know, at that point in my, my career, my early diving career, getting yelled at from the course director, all the other fun stuff, um, you know, so obviously I didn't, I didn't come out of my open water class feeling super confident that I could ever even get there. (laughs) But, uh, but you know, you saw that, I saw that I refer to the chart on the wall and I mean it, I literally looked at and studied the chart on the wall. That's, that's not what it looked like to me for the steps. And so, yeah, um, the
1: different levels, right? The paddy steps
0: through the courses. Yeah. And I think all organizations have those, you know, that ladder up to instructor and, and the, the first kind of official rung, it feels like, uh, you know, dive master is Mm -hmm. quite a hefty word, right? Uh, You're Mm -hmm. um, a dive master and you're responsible for other divers. I mean, it's a big deal. So, um, so yeah, so I looked at all that and, and then luckily for me, my, my, journey through all of that um, did not turn into a zero to hero and that had nothing to do with whether or not I wanted it to or not it, it was really all about the fact that that for me as we talked about in the recreational courses at some point I kind of stopped and realized this wasn't working for me I wasn't getting better and looked for for other things obviously you know did the hack it together myself and then eventually found the agency that I now am a part of called UTD. And so when I joined UTD, it really opened up um, my eyes to the fact that the skills that I was building weren't solid yet. Things, I knew I wasn't there, but now it gave me a measurement and a bar and feedback on the pieces that weren't there. And so I spent about a year in UTD's coaching program and just working on my own diving. So that's everything from you know buoyancy and and precision control there, to you know common emergency skills, gas shares, shooting an SMB is not an emergency but it's a skill. Everything from that to the team diving, team you know dive planning, expedition work that I was doing, and uh, the story of how I entered into leadership there is actually quite interesting because I thought I'd be on that path and I'd let my coach know, yeah. At some point, when you think I'm ready, and I'm going to put that in your hands, not in my hands, when you think that I'm ready to start that education, let me know and let's have that discussion. But I'm not going to push it. I'm not going to set goals towards it. I'm just going to allow somebody else to have that trust of when they think I'm ready to, to handle that from both a personal skills perspective, critical skills perspective, and knowledge perspective experience. Um, then, yeah, let's go with it. I'm going to trust that. And I tr- had a strong trust with my coach. And so, again, it just seems like scuba happens around Christmas for me. But one Christmas, um, you know, my, my wife says, oh, there's one more present for you. I'm like, oh, she's like, but it's over here on the phone. Like, okay. And so she pops open the phone and there's a video from the CEO of UTD saying, hey, Jay, um, you know, you put in a ton of hard work and la, 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 really, really nice video. That says, "Hey, and we'd like to welcome you into the UTD Leadership Program. Congratulations, you made it um, to the leadership That's program. So cute. We start, yeah, next week or whatever it is." And I was blown away. I was like, "Oh, okay," because it wasn't something I was necessarily working towards. It was something I said, "When it comes, it will come." And the story behind that, again, my wife is is incredible. Uh, is that she had called him and said, "Hey, I want to give Jay diving for Christmas." And she had looked up some diving sites that were, you know, what you could find on the internet. And he uh, graciously steered her away from some of those things and said, you know, maybe a better spend, a better way to, to do this is he's, I think he's ready for the leadership program. Why don't we give that to him as a, as a Christmas gift um, for his diving? And she said, yeah. So they did the whole video and, you know, it's been amazing. So that's how I entered oh my leadership. Gosh.
1: Your, your wife is just, I cannot wait to meet her. What oh,
0: a jab. Yeah. She's awesome. She's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. We we try to, you know, we realized in our relationship, not to get into a relationship, but I think one of the things that makes our bond work and has made it work for gosh, how many years now? Been together, 15 years, something like that. Is Beautiful. I knew for me, I wanted to be with her regardless of whether whatever format that was. Let's put it that way. Whether I was her friend, whether I was a acquaintance, whatever, I just wanted to be around her. And support her in some way, and I think she felt the same way about me. And so we're very different people, and we're very different interests. And you know, how how do I know what she wants to order on a menu? It's exactly what I wouldn't order. So it's it's clear. Like, oh, what do you what does she want? Whatever whatever sounds gross to me is like, yeah, that's what she's going to order. And probably the opposite's true for her. So we're very different uh, from that perspective. Very different in in our interests and things. But like, I want. To support her, that's my goal in our in our uh, marriage and in our relationship, and she has done the same for me, and and it's been awesome in that in that sense that we're able to have things like this happen. So, again, not a model it. relationship by any cha- by any stretch of the imagination, but I've been very lucky in in that uh, my spouse is, Hell yeah, supportive of my diving, um, but never will be a diver. And in some ways, that's a bummer. In other ways, great. Um, it makes family vacations really tough. I'll tell you that with young kids yeah. right now. But other than that, it's great. Uh, and sometimes, you know, when she says, Hey, maybe you should go diving, you know, gently. I know I'm like a stress ball waiting, waiting to explode, like why, how I am right now. It's like oh, that gentle nudge, Hey, you should go diving is like, Hey, you're a stress ball that needs to like go do your own thing. So go be on your own it's path that, for a minute.
1: You're driving me crazy. Go away for a little while. <laughs> <laughs>
0: exactly, exactly. Go underwater where we cannot see you, hear you be contacted from you for a little bit and then come back because it's true oh, every great. time I come back from diving it's like uh everything and I don't know what that is I don't know if it's just you know the weightlessness and my my you know neuropathways are being you know rewired for that moment I don't know but when I get out of the water dopamine diving has hits. that effect the dopamine effects yeah. whatever it is right yeah. um, so anyway back cool. to professional Side yes. note on my wife: I will have to send my wife this this podcast. I don't think she listens to the podcast. She's like, "Ah, oh, it's all about diving." Like, what do I want to listen to you talk talk listen to you talk all the time? Um, but uh, so that that's how I got into leadership. And um, you know, one of the things with with the program that I chose to be a part of UTD is is the standards um, for personal skills are very high, uh, and and actually it's it's uh, it, it's a double edged sword in some ways you know, to meet those standards, you need to really be in control, uh, period, right? Uh, and, and there's not a lot of tolerance. So, you know, say what you will about artificial numbers or whether it's important or not uh, to, you know, your everyday diving. Uh, and that, that's the debate. But when it comes to the standards for showing others how to dive, I think the standard should be high. And so for us, it was, you know, holding buoyancy, or position not just buoyancy so forward backward up down position within a few inches and that's measured right it's not it's not just you know oh yeah it looks kind of good mm-hmm. it's, it's measured it's being in control of of your students in in a live setting we don't do follow me dives meaning hey i'm swimming ahead and everyone does what i'm going to do no we need to let the students dive and be able to see three or four steps ahead of them and and be in control of that situation it was about, you know, learning how to balance what you correct underwater, what you correct on the surface and what you correct in video review, um, you know, and, and learning how to do a video review, a, a meaningful video review that causes correlation to real diving, not just, oh, you know, your your fitting technique is a little off here. Well, what, who cares? What does that matter to a real dive? What's the effect of that? How do you play that out? How do you have a story to tell about that? And then there was, I mean, just a, a Depth of dive theory, um, you know, and and things that we went through everything from, you know, gas density, bubble sizes, you know, standard gas. I mean, depth, depth, depth of of dive theory that we had to go through, and so I I started my education in that way, and and worked really really hard on it because from the from the academic standpoint, you know, I got it you know, a fast learner in that sense. But I remember in one of the first, it's a long story we can come back to later, but one of the first uh, real situations where I was being evaluated, I remember getting under the water and we had, it was this thing called a skills camp. We had all these students in a pool. It was unclear who was supposed to do what from a professional standpoint. All of a sudden I was looked at as the one that needs to do something. I, the story was, you know, I'll just tell it because it's funny. Um, There's an instructor who's an OG instructor within uh, UTD, and actually uh, their podcast is awesome if you ever listen to it, called The Great Dive Podcast, but a guy named James Mott. And uh, James and I have become friends uh, since then, but I started out not liking him very much, and I'm sure he didn't think very highly of me (laughs) at first, because we're at the skills camp. And, uh, you know, this funny little side story, now you can look back and laugh, but it was unclear. I was not an instructor. I was not a dive master. I was an IDC candidate. And so I was Mm -hmm. there in my mind to be a tank monkey, right? I'll carry tanks. I'll do whatever you need. The instructors are the instructors, uh, let them do it. And I'll be there to observe. And when an instructor tells me to do something, to demonstrate a skill or to whatever it would be, then I'll do it. That was my mindset. Well, you know, get in the water progressively and, uh, you know, people are working on personal skills, working on breathing for buoyancy. Eventually, it leads to them actually gearing up and practicing those skills. And you look in the pool, and it's just a circus. I mean, it's just a circus. Uh, people moving this way, that way, down the swim lanes. There's no structure to anything. Well, blah, blah, blah. and I'm, you know, at some point, someone comes up to me, oh, you know, I want to try different fins. I have my fins off. I have, you know, my mask to somebody else, whatever. These things are all out and about. I'm just standing there in the middle of the pool, observing all the chaos, going, gosh, this looks like chaos. And James came up to me and, and says, Hey, you know, nudges me and says, Hey, this is uh, quite a clown show. And I looked at him and said, yeah, it is a clown show. And my thought was like, what are you going to do about it? Instructor. And, and that was the end of that interaction. And then like five minutes later, he goes, Hey Jay, this is quite a clown show. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, what are you going to do about it? And I was like, me, like, what do you want me to do about it? <laughs> And I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to do something here? So I literally had my gear floating on the – Like, you know, it was like flip on my gear. Like my long hose is trapped behind my back. Like just look a mess. Don't have fins on. (laughs) Nothing and like – dive under the water and try to like gain some control of the situation, bring people up to the surface, get them all organized all that stuff. And of course, you know, his, my evaluation, like his gears not even set up correctly, la, la, la. Like what a, what a asshat clown of a, of an IDC <laughs> candidate we have here. And I was, you know, at the time um, I was really pissed about it. Right. Because it was like, look, this was unclear and you're not setting me up to succeed. You're setting me up mm-hmm. to fail. And I don't think it was intentional. Now that we've talked about on James's part, he wasn't clear. And he's thinking, hey, these IDC candidates need to show, you know, be in control. And I'm thinking, hey, these instructors need to be in control Mm. and big miss. And that whole skills camp was just a really big struggle. The, The students had a great time, delivered a ton of value to them. It was a really cool event, pioneering event in Scuba. But for me, from a professional standpoint, it was a train wreck. And it was demoralizing <laughs> and it was, you know, all the things that you'd feel of that you failed, I felt I failed. And yet I didn't even know what the standard was to fail too, but I know I failed, right? So where, where did I fail? It wasn't like I didn't nail a skill and man, if I could only got that right, it was the whole thing I screwed up somehow. And I didn't even know how. And so that really shook me and really caused a, a moment of, do I really want this? you know, do I really want to do this or not? Because, you know, I, I I could go to another agency and be an instructor next week. You know, is this really Mm. worth it? Why would I, why would I put myself through this? Mm. And, you know, it was a big question and, and to UTD's credit, and now I'm co-owner of the company. So before then I was not, I was simply a student, an IDC candidate, all that stuff. You know, I, I, communicated how I felt and I was there with a cohort of other IDC candidates and I remember commiserating with them at the end of it because we we failed all of us we didn't know how but I remember one of the guys who's now become one of my really good friends he's like um I just need a moment and he saw uh I don't know a donut store yum yum donuts whatever it was he's like I'm going in there and I was like okay (laughs) he goes and he bought like a dozen donuts and I remember just sitting by the pool of this hotel eating donuts like we were like some like you know i don't know we've failed <laughs> miserably it was so sad.
1: emotional therapy donuts yeah like. just like
0: pounding donuts <laughs> by the side of this pool uh and talking about you know how you know crappy of an experience all this was anyway it's quite oh. funny but i but we communicated and i communicated that back to utd and um and to UTD's credit, they said, and I think there's a whole episode a while ago on this, they said, yeah, we effed up. Yeah, mm. we made a mistake. We tried to do something that never done, been done before in a different structure, and we, f- we failed you, guys. Mm. The other stuff went well, but you as you know, what we intended, we failed you. And sorry, and now my job is to make it better. And I had to make the mm-hmm. decision. Do I trust that? Do I want this? Do I not? Um, or do I punt and move on? And it was a really tough decision at the time. Um, so, what made you?
1: Yeah, what made you decide to stay? Because that obviously, like, you had a lot of back and forth. So, what was the deciding point?
0: You know, I think there were two things. I think one is chalk it up to my personality. Chalk it up to whatever you want to chalk it up to. But, um, but I, I want. I wanted the challenge and I wanted that, you know, to be in the best in, in my eyes at the time to be a part of the best. And I didn't want to reduce my standards for the sake of making it easier. Um, I mm. wanted to keep my standards and, and I believed that, that these were, this was the best, uh, you know, agency for me in that way, which is ego, right? It, which is all sorts of things, but it was it's also my personality. Like if I'm going to do it, I'm all in. And I wanted mm-hmm. to be all in it. So I, d- I didn't want to walk away and do something that was easier because this was hard. I wanted to go through it and endure because I know on the back end of all that, I'll appreciate it much more than if I just punt now. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think the second reason was I, I truly believed and still do in what UTD stood for. Right and what UTD was doing and UTD is kind of um, a black flag, a Jolly Roger in the scuba industry, you know, of, of DIR diving and you know and and has pioneered a bunch of stuff that nobody knows. UTD pioneered um, and and has done it just because they needed to, not because it was something cool to do and and so that that spirit of entrepreneurship, that spirit of kind of the the Jolly Roger. Is something I'm just aligned with in general, mm. and uh, and so it made sense for me to stay and and to continue along that path. So we could do a whole episode on that whole why why UTD for me, but again, I don't think it it matters the agency. Now this could have been a story with GUE, it could have been a story with Patty or Nally or any of the agencies. I think the lesson for me was, hey, becoming an instructor is hard, and there are ups and downs. And you have to really look yourself in the mirror because you're not doing it for the fame and glory and money that awaits, right? Um, you, you're doing it because it's a passion of yours. And for me, mm-hmm. I had that moment. I had that you know, face the dragon in the hero's journey moment uh, where it was, do I want this and can I endure and, and do I think I have what I need to actually come back home, which is the end of, of the hero's journey um after facing the dragon and and be better for it be a better human being for it be a better diver for it be a better instructor for it and the answer to those questions was was yes so i stayed um and looking back again i'm very glad i did so mm-hmm. that was kind of my journey ups and downs all kinds of things and and you know i became a, a dive master at first and coach and um was teaching a bunch of students around that and then From there, uh, I'll never forget, you know, I was in Florida doing a tech one training and um, the training director for UTD's name is Ben Boss and James were there as our instructors. And uh, at the end of the course, they were, you know, we all went out to dinner like we did every night and we were chatting and whatever it would be. And it wasn't a particularly great diving day. You know, it's tech tech's hard. We'll talk about that next one Mm -hmm. and a text Mm -hmm. dependent upon your team members. So you could have a great day, but the team had a terrible day. And so we went through that experience and feeling down. And I remember the train director at dinner saying, Hey, why aren't you teaching more open water classes? I was like, Ben, dude, like, you know why I'm not teaching class. I can't. He's like, well, you should be teaching more open water classes. I'm like, dude, I can't, I'm a dive master. I can take certified divers in the water and that's as far as I can go. And he's like, no, you really should be teaching more. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, God, like, you know, the, okay, yes, you're right. I will as soon as I'm an instructor. He's like, no, you dunce. You're not getting it. Why don't you, when you go home, teach your first open water class? It's like, oh, wait, but that would mean I need to be an instructor. He's, yes. And he goes, so what are you, are you, he's like, yes, <laughs> yes, congratulations, you have passed, you, you're officially signed off. I had my first sign off before, Ben was my second sign off at the end of that course. Totally not, oh. not something that I saw coming, um, but they had been working in the background to evaluate me during the course. And, uh, and so, yeah, I became a UTD instructor in the Florida Keys at a little restaurant and uh, with a manatee swimming below us. And Cute. went home after that trip uh, as a full, full card carrying UTD foundational instructor and haven't looked back since.
1: Interesting. So in UTD, you don't have like uh, outside people come in and check you, like test you.
0: So it's, a, it's an evaluation um, sign off, basically. Mm. There needs to be a an initial sign off from whoever your i t is mm-hmm. so in my case my i t um, was uh, the was Jeff Seckendorf, the CEO of the company, and they need to see you in lots of scenarios so I did a lot of different types of diving, a lot of different <laughs> scenarios with students, a lot of different. You know things that I had to be involved in, on top of the academics and the lectures and everything else. My personal skills, a lot of a lot of critical skills with with students. And then we uh, ask that there's a second sign off from another IT um, to to fully sign off on that person becoming an instructor, and that uh, I think is designed to ensure that the quality of what we do is maintained. And so you mm. have different eyes on it. So in, in my case, I actually had three ITs working around me, which were James and, and Ben and, and Jeff. And they were having conversations about where my growth path was and where I needed to focus and so on and so forth. And like I said, I got my second sign off there in Florida um, without pursuing it. Right. It wasn't something that yeah. I was there for, but it's something that came out of it.
1: Yeah. Can I, I'm having a total squirrel moment of like you said something (laughs) and it's, um, I've heard you talk about UTD and there are a lot of, at least what I've, I'm perceiving as men's names. Sure. Are there women like I, I, just haven't heard or seen a lot of women in UTT. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: a great question. So, uh, so the the answer, short answer, is yes, um, absolutely, and they are awesome. Um, okay. One of one of them, um, her name's Kim, lives up the road here, and she is uh, an amazing diver and did this whole presentation on diving in a- Antarctica and all the things that they went through with oh, that sick. fascinating stuff. And she does a lot of work with. Um, I think uh, net, ghost net removal, um, that's her main mm. job. She's a, but she's no longer instructing. She's still an instructor, but she decided to stop teaching courses. Um, and there are a lot of other women. Uh, Tanya Cook that's uh, out in <clears throat> the, the Maryland area who runs the, the shop there. It's her shop. She owns the shop there as a UT instructor. Mm. UTD is also very small. Yeah. So we we probably are representative of the industry in terms of male female split, but at a very small level uh, in the sense yeah. that, um, you know, I, I can name them by names, right? Uh, in some ways, and we have an incredible batch of of instructors in in Europe and in Asia as well that I haven't had a chance to meet one on one, but yeah, it's a it's a good question. I think likely we're we're representative of the the industry at, at large um, and so like
1: kind of a what is it right now like a 60 40 sort of split
0: some, somewhere around there would be somewhere where around I think there. we'd be maybe a, maybe a little bit less maybe it's like a 65 uh, 35 split type thing and that's a that's a shame that's something that I think should change and I don't think UTD by any, by any means is um, purposely that way nor do right. I think it it has a male machismo like feeling to it, or, or any of those things. I wouldn't have joined the company if that was the case. Right. Um, but I do think that it's something that we and the industry uh, on the whole has to look at and has yeah. to. We have to say, you know, be honest about it. And I would love more women instructors. I think women instructors are incredible, um, and I've been around so many amazing female divers. Yeah. And I've had lots of female divers as, as, as um, as students and, and as coaching clients. And, and it's interesting because there is a network of, I remember the first question I got where I was like, I don't know the answer to that was like putting on a dry suit neck seal with long hair. Mm. I was like, honestly, I've never even thought of that. And I'm sorry that I never thought of it, but I just, I've not, not something I've experienced, but like, let me call Kim <laughs> and put you and Kim in contact and you can ask her any of those sorts of questions because I don't have the answer rather than me say, let me call Kim. Like, no, you guys, and Hey, if you want to go work with Kim, great. Right. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of those, I think, um, balancing things that I think a lot of instructors, and this is maybe an off the beaten pathway of my journey, uh, and now we've talked about my journey for half an hour, but
1: no, it's all good. It's all good. I, no, I was I just curious. We don't need to go into. I just the the little bit that I've heard of UTD is is only from you, to be completely honest. And I just well, and I met the team in at Dima, and it was a bunch of dudes. That's you know, a bunch of guys. Yeah, there.
0: Yeah, you didn't meet Tanya at Dima. No, I, I don't know if I remember d- introducing you to her. Anyways, no, no. Yeah, look, look. I my goal with UTD is is to grow it, and the the right people for us are has nothing to do with gender or race or anything like that. It, it's all mindset. So the people yeah, that are yeah, attracted course. to UTD are and and where UTD serves, uh, I think divers best is if if you are committed to to being to getting better, and you have that little drive in you like I had that. That you want to be the best. I mean, I'll just say it: that you want to, you want to at least have your ego stroked in that way. You yeah. think, you know, um, if that's important to you, then UTD is great, right? It's it's going to hold you to those standards. It's going to to push you. It's going to challenge you. It's going to all those things. Um, and so, uh, you know, for me, the mindset is the most important. And and to be a little bit avant garde, a little bit, you know, willing to try new things, a little bit mm-hmm. willing to deal with maybe the un unpaved paths that come up in, in a journey like I was on or others go on. Um, I think that's who we serve well.
1: Yeah. What, um, so since becoming an instructor, have you done further instructor training, you know, kind of like in the PADI system, it would be, you know, teaching specialties and becoming, you know, an MSDT, master instructor, IDC staff, that kind of stuff. Have you pursued any of that?
0: Yeah. Uh, So with, with, Ut it's a little bit different in the sense that when you become a foundational instructor, you're signed off on a, on a set of courses that you can teach, and that has to do with um, your proficiency with those things. Not you know it's not kind of the I think the traditional standards say something along the lines of like a teach one level below where you're certified um, mm. outside of technical. So there's a there's a separation between foundational instructor, which is kind of the recreational courses, technical instructor. And IT are kind of the three buckets that our instructors fall into. Mm-hmm. Um, within the foundational instructor, you are able to teach uh, courses one level below where you are you are currently certified mm. based on proficiency. So, for example, I, I've taught a bunch of side mount, taught a bunch of back mount, you know, mini, like we, we call them minis, not specialties, but, right. um, you know, back mount stuff, uh, you know, SMB stuff bunch of essentials, those sorts of things. I have not taught technical. That's what I'm working towards. And within our standards, it's two years from when you're a foundational to whether you, where you can qualify as a technical instructor to even try for that. Mm -hmm. And for me, I've done a lot of um, what you would call um, uh, apprenticing underneath our training director. And so I've gone on to courses and technical courses and things and basically been an observer and a swimming air or swimming gas right if if needed but trying to again and i think the big thing for me in all of this in all of this and this was the realization that maybe is helpful for those that are listening to our journeys out there you know for me as a as a instructor a trainer coach all those things that you can in my non scuba life i can walk into a room of a team working Within a few minutes, I know what's happening, right? I can mm. understand the dynamics. I can read what's happening with, with the room. I can read the leaders. I can read these things. And it's just a matter of I have a lot of experience doing that. And it traces all the way back to, you know, I grew up in a very angry household where the response to mm. mistakes was anger. So I had to yeah. learn how to read a room. I had to learn how to read the mood. I didn't know that's what I was doing, but that's what I was doing. And mm-hmm. So it's a muscle I built for years. I can see the game so clearly up here on the surface with whatever it is, with other human beings. What's interesting is I saw once I got under the water with experienced instructors, how they saw the game and I wasn't there yet. I mm. couldn't get underwater and see three steps in front of the students yet. Mm-hmm. I couldn't get underwater and come up to the surface and tell you, here's the next three things that's going to happen. You know, I just didn't see the game yet and it had to do a lot with not enough experience of seeing the game. So I spent a long time, you know, just observing, not teaching, just observing, trying to see the game, trying to say in my head, play it out three steps ahead and see what happened. I mean, I volunteered as a dive master for all sorts of things that was just like get in the water and be, you know, an extra set of eyes and my, you know, for free and carry our tanks and do this and that other thing. Just so I could get in the water and see the game. And that's, what I, that's where my work was, right? And that's what I did. And I did it consistently. And I tried to just understand so that when I get under the water now and I have students in front of me, I'm three steps, five steps, however many steps in front of them. Because that's where my brain needs to be. And I'll give a quick example. It's kind of a funny example from a, from a recent course. But, okay. you know, we were working through an essentials course, which is essentially – an essentials course is essentially – repeat that sentence <laughs> – uh, it is it is kind of the foundation of personal skills that you need to build. And a lot of people come into Essentials, you know, as pretty experienced divers, you know, a couple hundred dives underneath their belt, lots of different C cards and they go, I just, I know I have all these qualifications, but I know I'm not where I want to be and I, there's a mm. gap and I'm going to take a chance that maybe you can fix this gap. And Essentials, is incredible at that. That's what it does. Um, and so anyway, as with these students, we were working through uh, shooting an SMB, which an SMB in and of itself, it, it, you know, it has a procedure to it, so on and so forth. But really what it's testing at that point is positioning. Your buoyancy skills, your positioning, your fitting technique. Can you hold position while task loaded? That's what it's really testing. Mm-hmm. It's not testing the procedure, you know, the, the protocol of shooting an SMB. I don't, As an instructor, for me, I don't care so much that you get every step right in the protocol. I care more that you understand the context in which we use the protocol and that you can do it under control. So if you, you know, unbungee the the thing, you know, the SMB before you do, you know, clip off, you know, those things can be fixed with procedures. I'm looking at, are you in control? Do you understand why we're shooting it now? All of those sorts of things. So, of course, your first time... Being asked to be neutrally buoyant, hold position. while you go through this procedure? Most students, it's a struggle. It's it's a lot of task loading mm-hmm. to think of all these steps yeah. and do this thing, and to do it neutrally buoyant and all that stuff. And so these particular students, you know, you know it's coming. <laughs> so I'm watching and seeing the game, they start to work on the bag. The other students, while that person's shooting the bag, should be there. We also talk about an SMB as a team drill. It's a team activity. It's not an individual activity. So where should you be? You are now the point of reference for your teammate while they're task loaded. So hold your buoyancy. Hold your position. Be supportive mm-hmm. of the teammate while they're task loaded. So, of course, the other one can't hold position. So he's swimming this way and the other one's swimming that way. and right, It's just kind of, you know, swirling around. And... Which is to be expected. If, if you come and take an essentials course and this is your experience, that's probably 95% of the people's experience in the first mm-hmm. drill here. And we work from there. So I already saw this is what's happening. We work through everybody, shoot their SMB. And, and I knew these guys have no idea where they are. We're in 20 feet of water on the shore and they have no clue where we are. Right? They, there's no way. So now what can I do to drive that point home? Well, if it wasn't essentials, I would inflict some sort of, of, uh, an incident. You know, I'd give somebody an out of gas and they need to establish an exit and get out of there. In essentials, we don't do those critical skills, right? As a team, right? That's a step too far for essentials. So instead I said, well, what can I do? This is all under the water, seeing the game, knowing where their brains are at, knowing, you know, all that stuff. I just said, Hey, stop for a second. Look at me. Hey, question. Where's the exit? How do we get out of here? Open water, ocean, the shores only goes one direction. <laughs> Not a complicated navigational decision. I said, hey, where's the exit? And they're looking at me like, well, you should know. I'm like, I don't know. You tell me. And so they look at each other. One looks at his compass, right? Uh, they're all kind of sitting there. And then all of a sudden, it's like one guy gives a signal. It's that way. And the other two are like, yeah, of course it's that way. Okay, yeah, that guy must know what he's talking about. Let's go. So all I I did was watch them swim off, hold my compass up, shoot it in the video, shoot them swimming off. Now, in California, the exit's east, right? It will always be east because that's the direction of the land. And here (laughs) these guys are swimming south. And off they go south, right? So I just got it on camera. I gave them a few minutes to see if they'd catch themselves. Someone would say, nope, it's actually the other way. Nope, kept swimming. So I caught up to him, stopped him, said, Hey, now I'm the captain. We're going up. And I said, we Got up to the surface. And I was hard on him. I said, yeah. This is how divers die. You got task loaded. Yeah, it happens in a dive. Then you got presented with a question and you use groupthink. You just relied, it was, trust me, dive. The first guy to say it mm-hmm. was that way, no one confirmed. So you had confirmation of communication, but not confirmation of the actual decision. This is how you die. And so, uh, you know, I was really hard on them. And and I said, look, here's where you guys were going. Well, we were, nope, don't give me any excuses. Wait till you see it on the video. You're swimming south. Well, it was kind of southeast. Okay. I don't want to hear southeast. I want to hear, yes, it was a mistake. So get your asses back on shore, right? Let's go. You're going know, to change tanks, get your heads in the game, whatever you have to do, right? Get back in the water and let's do this again. And they looked at me like, holy crap, you know, this guy's really, you know, down our throats. And I was because I believe that that moment was a very teachable moment of like, they weren't going to die. I was going to let them swim south until mm-hmm. they, they hit Mexico, blah, 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 <laughs> right? It was, it, but it was a moment where, hey, in a real life situation, and this is just shooting it back. Let's say there actually is a failure of some sort. Mm-hmm. You need to drive this home that, look, I one, I need to at least reestablish my thinking brain, and two, I can't just trust what my teammate says I need to confirm. And yeah. it, it turned out to be a great moment for them. I talked about it and so on and so forth. But that's the layer of of training that that we try to get to and what we do and, and why my IDC and my path, I think, was so hard is that um you've got to be able to be three steps five steps ahead of those students um and you have to be able to see the moments that are teachable and the moments that that are not that you just need to step in and the moments that you know where hey you let them make the the real mistake and let the consequence play out and that's where the the tech game when when working towards that as an instructor for me personally know that that's the next level of the chess game is trying to figure out how to put a team in a situation where you can get the sorts of reaction to pressure test a diver on something that maybe they need to be pressure tests on i wouldn't say i know that game yet i think i understand it as a student really well and i can see it as an instructor but i don't know exactly how to put the chess pieces on the board yet and make that happen and so with recreational and the foundational stuff and all that yeah i've got i feel pretty confident there but the tech game—that's where I'm still growing, and eventually, I hope to grow into an IT. I need to grow into an IT as part of the owner of the of the company. Um, cool. But yeah, that's my goal. So. A lot well, about that's, me, that's my a good.
1: Yeah, it's all good, man. It's interesting. I, again, don't know much about that organization. Um, but that's a good segue to our episode for next week, um, where we're going to be talking about our tech diving experience. So we can dive more into your experience with that as a student and what you're going through to get that training as an instructor. And I'll share my, my nonsense story
0: as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope it wasn't too much, but... But it was a long journey, and I can say looking back, it was all worth it. And like I think we were joking about on another episode that, you know, in retrospect, that slowing down mm-hmm. and and being patient is so important. And at the time, it felt so terrible. And so yeah. I think that's just part of the journey, part of what I experienced, and I'm glad I went through it.
1: No, that's really cool. Because I'll say just going right into my experience, I did the opposite. I was not patient. I did not go slow. Uh, and I think it, it impacted me negatively for a long time. Uh, and so, I mean, I shared in the last episode that I did a Zero to Hero program in Thailand, mostly because I was just there for the fun of it you know, I didn't think I was going to do anything. I had a career. I had, you know, my degree in winemaking and I was going to go be a winemaker in California and whatever. And I just had this little break in Thailand to become a dive master. And like, who wouldn't want to do that? You know, unlimited diving. And I tell people all the time, like, even if you never want to work a day in this industry doing, that's kind of the difference between what you've experienced in Patty. Like Patty is, much more flexible, right? Like you can do a dive master and get all of the beautiful experiences and the teachings and everything without like being so, I don't want to say dedic- like, because there's still dedication and passion, right? But it's a more accessible course. You can take it and be super focused on like, I'm going to be a professional. I'm going to work in this. Or you could take it as like, I just want to learn as much as I can as a diver and get a great experience out of this in a beautiful place somewhere in the world, you know? So I think that's something that's really cool for the other organizations that are more mainstream is, is that flexibility. Cause I do, I recommend to people like you can take, if you can take a sabbatical from work and go live somewhere for two months and do the dive master course like do it you know do it you don't have to work as a dive master ever but you're going to learn so much and have a blast you know and that was my mindset going into the dive master now looking back I. Uh, you know, I wish I had taken it more seriously. I wish that I mean I still studied because I'm a nerd, you know, I was an honor roll a p <laughs> course like giant nerd. you know, I graduated from college with honors, you know that's just like my personality. I like reading and learning um, so there there wasn't so much that um but i I didn't learn, and I still struggle with this sometimes. Uh, a lot of the places where, you know, I, I focus in, in certain areas and not in others. So like, I'm still and I've said this for probably the, the last year and a half, like, I'm still not very educated when it comes to equipment. I need to learn more about that. Um, you know, specifics about the, um, the ID, you know, marine animal ID and like their biology and everything like I want to learn so much but at the same time it's like there's so much to learn like yeah. and we all have to work and like do all this life stuff so it, you know it's a balance it's a balance but i do wish that back then i had started you know taking it more seriously but i didn't know i was like 24 so yeah. whatever um so i did that experience it was great um you know i find that and i say this as a recommendation for people looking into a dive master course like it's a good idea to at least try to talk to who the dive master mentors are going to be because that's going to greatly impact what you get out of the course right who's the course director who are the who are the mentors because a regular open water scuba instructor can teach dive masters right like they're gonna they're gonna be yeah, they're going to be with them training, you know, mm-hmm. and um, it's. I I know that I um, there were definitely moments in my dive master course where I didn't feel like, I, like my instructors were really interested. In being there. Like there was a lot, there was a big drinking culture and everything. And it I remember at one point it was like, if I want to talk to my dive master mentor, like I need to sit at the bar, you mm. know. Um, and that's not like that's that's not a great look. Um, but that's the culture of certain places. So it's really important to uh do your research and find a spot and a shop and a team that suits what your goals are right. That's part of the reason why, when me and my business partners opened Asul Unlimited in uh Indonesia, we chose Labuan Bajo for you know the diving in the Komodo National Park. We chose that specifically because we wanted to go into it, um, training dive masters and instructors.
0: Like, that's and that's a more challenging place to dive, right? Which oh my exactly, god, yeah.
1: Yeah. Like trying to keep a group together when there's strong currents, like good luck, you know, (laughs) it's, it's a lot, it's a lot. And you learn a lot about the ocean and everything. So that was like all part of our mindset with opening the shop, um, over there. And I think it was a big sales point for us, you know, even in the short amount of time that we were open there before the world shut down in 2020, we had, like, we grew with every single IDC. Like, our name was, was getting out there. And I think that's part of it, you know, making sure that you sign up for it in a place where you're going to get the experience that you want. Not saying no. that, that kind of, those kinds of conditions are, are right for everybody. Um, but knowing the team and the culture of the team is a really important point, you know, getting a good vibe. Um, a lot of course directors will have a phone call with you, or like you know, the the dive shop staff will connect you with whoever the the senior instructor is. You know, it's um, usually you can get that kind of service when you're looking to sign up for a dive master course. Um, so. Again, I did not do that. I share this information so that hopefully someone does it better than I did. So (laughs) Um, can I ask
0: a quick question here? Yeah, yeah. Looking back, when you say, you know, do your research, um, what are the things that you wish you had researched or that you would tell yourself back when you were starting your journey? Hey, look into X, Y, or Z. Like you mentioned the culture of the team and the course director, the location, are there other things that maybe if someone's out there considering this that you would say, hey, look at – do the research on these things if you want. Because, you know, I think, I think one of the things for me that I'm hearing you say is like you guys purposely made it not more difficult artificially but made it more challenging than maybe the bathwater that, that you got your, your dive master in because you you wanted to build some of that I'm assuming I'm putting words in your mouth here that resiliency or that experience with your professional uh, people that you were teaching so are there other things that looking back you would say like because I'm okay coming out and saying it should be harder to be a dive master like it's, yeah. it, it's a hard it should be hard like yeah. not easy but yeah I don't want to put words in your mouth so I'm hearing some of that but I'm curious what you would look back and say
1: yeah. Um, I think other things to look out for is, um, how active the dive shop is. Right. So like if it's a boat operation, like you can only go boat diving, making sure that the the shop actually goes frequently so that you can be on the boat. Mm. Uh, also how many dives are included in the dive master? Some programs offer unlimited diving. Some only offer like 40 dives. Right. So, um, I think that's, that's a big one to look into Some, you know, and, and to look at the, the reality of it, right? A program might say, oh, yeah, unlimited diving, it's great, and they're not very busy. Or maybe they're always too busy and there's never room for you on the boat, right? Mm-hmm. So it can go the opposite direction. Um, so those are the questions that I would ask in that. Um the other thing, like, you know, going back to agencies, and this is where I will toot the patty horn, right? Because I I think patty is a really strong, smart decision to go with if you want to work in, you know, around the world really. Yeah. Um if you want to work as a dive master, it's a little bit more challenging because a lot of places will hire local dive masters. But moving into the instructor side of things, there are patty dive shops everywhere, right? Wow. And so that's a very strategic choice in order to have a wide range of opportunities for work in the future. And I mean, that's that's why I went patty um, for a multitude of reasons, but that's that's a big one, you know. F- trying to have a job and pay for life is hard. We've discussed this, and so having Opportunities in front of you, and also the support of such a large staff—it it, it's really quite nice, right? You have any questions, and you're going to get answers very, very quickly with Patty, just because there's they have such a huge team. So um, yeah, I think that's those are the main things. I might I'm probably forgetting some stuff, but that's that's what I really look for uh, with the dive master course. Um, as far as moving to instructor, it's a, an important question to ask. Is you know if you're meeting your course director, and you've you've talked to them, you've discussed how the course goes, everything. You need to ask how much the course director is actu- actually teaching, hmm. because myself as an IDC staff instructor, I can teach most of that course, pretty well, just about all of it, right. So you could be signing up for a course with a course director and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to learn from this person. And then they're there for the um, introduction and like a handful of lectures or in-water sessions. And then you're with some IDC staff person that you have no clue about, hmm. right? So it's important to ask that, like, what, what are you going to be teaching? What are the staff instructors going to be teaching? Who are your staff instructors? What are their experiences? Um, to really get an idea of what you're signing up for and what you're going to gather. And it's good to, I think, it's good to take courses in places that have different conditions. Like, unless you're a local, you know, California is a great example, right? Like, you dive all the time in Monterey, and you're always going to dive in Monterey. You want to work in Monterey. Like, go ahead, take the IDC, you know, take the instructor development course in Monterey. That's totally cool. Like that's your shtick, stick with it. Um, But if you're looking to travel the world and do this, I think it's really nice to go somewhere new, Mm -hmm. right? Because you're going to get exposed to people with different experiences. You're going to dive in a different place. And, um, you know, it's, it's just a, a good thing. Like we talked about in the last episode of recreational diving, it's that experience of exposure going out and, and learning from different uh, conditions and people. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think maybe to build on that too, the, the other, th- the thing that triggered me too, going back to what you were saying with the, the decision around Patty from a professional standpoint in terms of opportunity, I, I, I'll be honest. I went through that, you know, in my local diving where I could work conceivably, it was like, look, they're all, you know, these big box scuba shops, and they're not going to bring me in as UTD dude to come and mm-hmm. teach in their shop. I mean, which I, I think is a shame, but well, that's not, this is not the episode to talk about that. So I had to, I had to make that decision. And, and for me, again, I, I was lucky in the sense that, you know, I wasn't looking at scuba as a next career at the time. Yeah. It was a vocational thing, uh, which I think it is for a lot of people. And so I remember going through this, having some conversations. And, and one of the things that came out in some of those conversations was, well, if you do, if you go a different direction, you know, you're, you're likely going to be asked to teach things that you no longer dive or styles that, that maybe you're not aligned with. You okay with that? And I was like, no, I'm not. And that was easy to make that call from there of like, I want to teach how I dive. And so again, the, the, I think that's a real consideration and, and it goes back to, I think something maybe even bigger, which is, you know, what are your goals? Are are your goals, you know, to be a professional in the industry and, and make a living in it? Is it a vocational, fun thing to do is it like you were saying with getting to dive master is it your own personal education just deepening that in a mm-hmm. more structured way right like i think thinking about you know the old joke uh, i'm sure you've heard this as a dive shop owner you know how do you how do you uh build a million dollar a year dive shop you know, you know the punchline there start with two start with two million <laughs> like, yep. I, I don't think i know i know any instructors that are like or maybe I know of like one or two instructors that are like living the high life off of scuba instruction. I definitely don't know any dive masters that are like, I'm good. You know? <laughs> In terms of like financially, I think there's a lot of other things that, that come up um, from, from those experiences that, that are much more valuable than let's say money. But it's not, let's just be real. Scuba is not an industry that you get into the professional ranks and it's like becoming the CEO of a company, or you know, uh, the the a higher up executive somewhere. It's yeah, still hard. work. It's it's, it's not it's, even it's close. Not a lot of money. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs>
1: you're you're the grunt. You're the grunt, right? Yeah. Like, and and we're trying to change that. I, at least that's something that I'm aiming to do. Like I'm, I was just telling you before we hit record that I'm putting together a marketing and business course for scuba divers, uh, an online course, because I want more people to be successful in this industry. It's crazy. Like we all need to be making more money. <laughs> like, I agree. Hands down. I agree. Um, but anyway, th- that was kind of a, a roundabout, um, going back to my experience, um, and we're, this is going to be a long episode, dude. Uh, <laughs> Split but, it into two. Yeah. I um so I did the dive master course and then I went to California because that's again, I was going back to my job. And with over a hundred dives in that bathtub, my first dives in Monterey were a joke, honey. <laughs> like It was zero visibility. I was diving with another, he had done the dive master in Kotal with me. So we were like two warm water divers, not, we had no idea what was going on. (laughs) And it was, it was shocking. It was shocking and humbling to be like, wow, I know nothing about this sport. I do not know how to handle these conditions. So I, I spent the next year just like diving in California, getting to know, the conditions and how to, um, deal with shore diving and the cold and just all of the things because I, I needed to, I needed to soak all of that in. Um, during that time I got, I think I got my yoga teacher training and, um, realized that I liked teaching I wasn't sure that I would. My dad is a teacher, so he thinks it's really funny that I'm into teaching now because I was always <laughs> like, I don't want to be a teacher. Uh, but I I did. I found out that I love teaching. And so that planted the seed of like, OK, I, I want to do my my IDC. And I decided to go. I don't really remember. It might have been a, a recommendation from somebody. I went to Plietal Carmen and that's, um, I've looked up the the course and it seemed great and I just decided to go. And so that was just a temporary thing. I went for two or three weeks just to do my IDC. Uh, but it really set in my brain, like, wow, maybe this could be something right. Mm. And, um, I went back home, I kept working my normal job and whatever. And it was like, I, at some point I decided that I was gonna try it, right? Cause I was at a crossroads of like, I could stay in my career or I could try this totally crazy thing and <laughs> pursue yoga and scuba diving. And so I decided to save up for a long time because I knew that doing something like that, I may not be making a lot of money for a while. So I've made that my focus. It so was saving, saving, saving. And then I moved to Mexico. I moved to Playa del Carmen. And there I started teaching. In the meantime, I had been teaching in California and I assisted several courses um, because again, I still was so new to how challenging it is to teach in California. Like it's really, I, you know, this, like it can be so hard on those low vis days and the the waves and everything. It's, it's a challenge. People that learn there really learn a lot about diving just in that short course. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I started working over there, and uh, I went through. I think I ended up doing my MSDT for Patty, so Master Scuba Diver Trainer. Uh, a lot of times, people will do IDC and MSDT together. It's like a, a package that Patty usually tries to to get you into when you're doing the course, and that just means that you get specialty instructor training for five specialties. Okay, I was gonna ask. So you, sorry so that, you then,
0: yeah. to become a Master what is it? Master scuba dive trainer? Diver diver, diver trainer. trainer. Yeah. Okay. Um yeah. to become that you have to then go through and earn specialties in five other things. Is that what I You have oh, to have, have instructor
1: correctly? Yeah, you have to have instructor level training in five oh different oh, okay. specialties. So okay. like some IDC courses will offer uh, a couple of specialties as part of the IDC course, right? Like that's, that's something extra as uh, uh, a way to get people to sign on. Right. And that gotcha. gets you on the path to become a master scuba diver trainer. And I mentioned that because uh, in some places, because of the culture in the place, the uh, Dive shops will only want to hire you if you are an MSDT because what does that do? It encourages people to sign up for the course when they're doing the IDC. Got does it. that like does that make sense? Yeah, it's yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. a yeah, it's to get people into that. Um, I didn't do that at first. That was the only time that I didn't rush into something during <laughs> my training, um, but I just didn't need to. I knew that with California, so it just wasn't like a priority for me at the time. So. The one time I slowed down, uh, yeah, I waited, I waited a year to become a MSDT. And, uh, and then soon after moving there, you know, I, I got together with um, my ex-business partner and he was on the pathway to become a course director. And so I very quickly went through the, the steps of becoming an IDC staff instructor. And again did it too fast I should have spent a lot more time in that instruction you know going through just teaching the recreational courses over and over and over again but in my life there have been a lot of like just opportunities have shown themselves and I've jumped on them instead of saying like oh I'm not quite ready for that I should wait until the next time. Like I've just said, well, it's here. Let's go. Yeah. And whether that's good or bad, you know, I paid for it. I definitely didn't have when I started teaching instructor courses. I didn't have the experience. Oh, we lost. We lost a light. Remember what that <laughs> means? <sighs> We're getting getting to our our limit here. Um, but what I found was I I did not have the experience when I first started assisting with IDCs. I really should have spent more time. And so that's why I'm, I'm really happy to be back assisting IDCs now because I feel like I'm an actual IDC staff instructor. Like mm. I, not that, I mean, I still have so much to learn, like so, so much, but I feel like I can actually give a lot to students, you know, um, so that, that was my, my pathway with it. Um, it was just a lot of jumping ahead too fast and then dealing with the consequences of, um, imposter syndrome, right? Mm -hmm. Like I would be in this role of like being the head instructor and, and leading the dive master course and not feeling like I should be there. You know, and I sh- I shouldn't have, to be completely honest, I shouldn't have, like, I definitely needed a lot more experience to be in that position. But, you know, it's not, I wouldn't say that it completely negatively impacted, but I look at it now and I'm like, I would have done a lot better. Like, I would have given more value to those people if I were teaching, if I were in that role today, hmm. you know. So... That's, that's my experience through the courses. I've had people ask um, whether I've thought about becoming a course director and going back to business, the business of diving, right? When you decide to go a certain path, you have to weigh the, the financial bit of it, right? Like, what does it take for me to become, to get to that level? What am I going to be making? after that like is it going to balance out in a way that makes sense to a business and for me it's just never panned out in the calculations you know I have enough friends who are course directors it's kind of like having a boat you know you want the the you want your friend to own the boat you don't actually want (laughs) to own the boat you know like that's what I think of like I'm really really happy or just by the agency
0: Uh, outright yeah (laughs)
1: there you go yeah right um like for me as an IDC staff instructor, I, I love that role. I love being the, the backup dancer to, you know, the center stage person, like making things happen and helping people. And, you know, just because my name isn't on the, the certifying paperwork, like it doesn't mean that I'm not a part of it. Like I don't need that.
0: Hmm. And that's
1: just me personally. It's because I know that I'm not going to dedicate my life to teaching IDCs Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to make that investment back because it's a big investment. It's like a Mm -hmm. serious decision to be a course director or, you know, I I don't know what the investment is for UTD, but it's like it's a really big effing deal. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, that's that's something that it's just never made sense for me. I'm not saying that it won't make sense for me. You know, like I'm totally open to doing something like that in the future. I'd Life has changed so much in the last three years. I don't know what's going to happen in the next three years, right. you know? So, um, yeah, I just know that from my experience now, I I don't want to... Not that I would be rushing into things now like 10 years in, but um, that's definitely been my downfall through my career of being, being around a lot more talented divers and with people who have a lot more experience. And I just got like shoved into the group and like, all right, you're hanging out with us. Like, let's go. And usually I can hang to a certain point, right there, but there comes that, you know, like you were discussing about understanding, uh, what did you say? It was, um, seeing the game. Yeah. You you can't rush that. There's no no rushing that ever. Like you just have to have the time and the experience. Um, so yeah, that's my biggest takeaway or my biggest recommendation besides all the stuff that I talked about with choosing courses is slow down, take your time with it.
0: Yeah, I think it's good advice. I mean, you said something there that, again, I, I love the, the feeling of the imposter syndrome. Do you, mm. do you remember um, your first open water course where it was just you? where you were the lead instructor? Can you remember that one?
1: Oh, gosh. I'm trying to remember who was my actual, like, first... Because it's, it's a little hazy for me because I did do co-teaching for okay. a bit.
0: Or it was just you and, and the students. So, do you remember that one? I mean,
1: oh, gosh. I, I'm not... So this is... My memory's terrible. terrible. Um, but I will tell you of one that was, like... It wasn't super early on, but I think it was the worst conditions I've ever taught in ever. And I remember thinking like, oh, good God, you know, I had three (laughs) students. It was zero visibility. We only had that weekend to do it. Right. And luckily, they were all um, friends of mine and yogis. So they were able to like you know, we all kind of came together and like, this is going to (laughs) suck. It's going to be really hard. We need to stay relaxed. Right. And we, we got through it together, but I, I don't know why that popped into my brain. It's definitely not my first course. Um, I'm going to have to think about that. How sad that I don't have that in my brain straight away. Let's hear yours.
0: That imposter syndrome thing, I think is a really nice way to sum up. I hope I never feel I hope there's always a tinge of that for me in my instruction Mm. because I think it keeps you on your toes. The minute you feel like, oh, I got this, that's the beauty of teaching is that no two classes are ever the same. No two students are ever the same. There's always adaptation, always growth. But I I just remember, you know, it's akin to when I had my, I had, when my wife had our first daughter. And um, I remember leaving the hospital after however many days you're supposed to spend there. And I remember getting on the freeway and and they put her in our car, you know, <laughs> like I'm driving home and it's like, I'm not licensed to do this. Like, what, <laughs> like, what do you mean? I can take, like, I felt, I, it sounds silly, but I honestly felt like I was doing something illegal, which sounds silly now. Like, but I did not feel qualified to take a kid mm-hmm. home. You know, it was like, are you kidding? This is happening and we're getting on the freeway and you know, you feel, I think you feel that for that way for your first year of parenthood period. But I remember the same feeling or a similar feeling with my first, you know, open water students of like, you know, you have the time in the pool with them, which is a nice structure to a course, right? Because it's mm-hmm. pretty, you know, relatively safe in the pool compared to open ocean. But like you say, you take them into the water, um, and that's open water and it's like, Do I know what I'm doing? You know, do I? Do Mm I? You know? Oh, you know, you know. And to be honest with you, sorry, students, if you're listening to this, and you know, I remember kind of feeling like, hey, everyone survived and got back. Like, all right, yeah, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. that was the first metric. I'm okay. You know, like I did it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I've had. And I think that's it. Just plays on the thing that you're saying about going slower and and gaining experience. It's just time under the water you know it's time having those like you know silly stories that you and i could sit around a campfire and tell of things that have happened to us as Mm -hmm. you know pros that you know are are funny now but at the time i mean gosh i remember one where i was just a dive master you know and i wasn't even an official course it was like dive guiding and you know this couple the the um husband and wife the the wife um for whatever reason just would not stop swimming 10 foot feet above the husband. And I it, like, that's how they dove together. That was their norm. And there was really low visibility and it was like trying to keep these two together. And it's like, it's trying to split the difference, try, you know, all these things. It was really hard. And then all of a sudden I turn around and the wife's gone. And I look at the husband <laughs> like, dude, where's your wife? Like, it's not, I'm not, I'm not in official capacity here. I'm just here, you know, uh, diving along. And he's like, I don't know. <laughs>
1: like, oh my God. Okay,
0: great. So what do I do? You know, like, okay, you stay right there. Like, don't move. Like, uh, okay. Like, I don't know what else to do. I'm going to look around for a minute. No, nope, she's not there. Came back to him and said, you and I are going up. Let's go. We come up to the surface and there she is. And, and she's like, oh, <laughs> I did it again. And I'm like, what? It's like, yeah, you know, I, I pressed the wrong button. I thought I was oh pressing gas out and I pressed the other, but this is, by the way, not, not in my course, not being trained by me, just, you know, just divers yeah. in, the, in the wild. And I was just like, okay. Uh, you know, we were like <laughs> 20 minutes into a, the, into a dive. Okay. I think we're done. Like, <laughs> like the shore's that way. Let's just surface swim back to the shore. Like we're good. Like we're good. Like, um, that's funny, but it's just, it, that's uh, you can't manufacture that in a, mm-hmm. in any yeah, the experience. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I will say, though, um, and I, I want to say this for any, I mean, I'm assuming that a lot of the demographic is male, um, just because that's what my YouTube channel looks like, too. But for any <laughs> women that are listening to this, um, my experience with imposter syndrome was also related to the dynamic mm. of male and female interaction in the dive shop. And so, you know, something to mitigate that, slowing down, being, you know, doing the training in a pace that feels right, being experienced, you know, getting that experience in the water. Um, but also it's um, a personal development of self-esteem. Right. There are a lot of big personalities in diving and especially in professional level I I mean, I've, I've met so many, so many, uh, people that just, they, they think that they're God's gift to scuba diving and uh, the best instructor <laughs> in the whole entire world. Right. And I think it's something that's not unique to women, but I think we get hit with it more is this, like, am I supposed to be here? Hmm. You know, like, can I hang here? So, um, And something that helped me with that was just working on on myself, my own self-esteem and understanding that like I don't do things the same way that my cohorts do, but we're all sticking to standards. I have a different style and that's going to vibe with certain people, right? So I just wanted to mention that because that was part of my experience, especially early on. And I wish that i had had a female mentor, um, just to give me like an example to look at and be excited to like, I want to be you, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's, that's something anyway, that was kind of a, a side thing, but it was, uh, important to me. It, it would have been helpful for me.
0: Yeah. Well, and I appreciate you bringing that up because again, like, I think that's a perspective that, that is important to raise and that often probably doesn't get raised. Um, And I think maybe to the point as well is that's when, you know, you're talking about the culture and the, the interviewing course directors and the IDC staff and all Mm. these folks. I, I really do like our model of apprenticeship at UTD because it is a relationship that gets built deeply around trust over a longer period of time, months and months. Um, But I do think regardless of, of training, and I think this applies to all training, not just IDC, but it's probably particularly important in IDC and and the higher level technical courses and things is that that trust gets, is there where you Mm -hmm. do feel like you, you have a relationship where I, I like that you say, where you do aspire to, to be like that person, not just as a diver with skills that's, that's a part of it. But as a human being, you know, observing them as, as they interact with people, as they order food at a restaurant, I mean, as as silly as that sounds, it's something I'm paying attention to. Right. And I, I was lucky to have that in the mentors that I've had and continue to have. I'm lucky to still look at them and say, wow, like I really hope someday I'm half as good as, as he is in explaining that. Um, or, wow, I'm, um, I wish, you know, that my gut instinct response to that situation was that. That's something I can learn from, right? Because I would have taken well, yeah. it in a different way.
1: Yeah, that's the the whole thing. I mean, that's an, a huge aspect of both the dive master and instructor courses. It's that professionalism, right? Mm-hmm. It goes beyond what you're doing in the water. It's it's um, really being a role model. And that's important, you know, because that, that – Gives people the impression of this industry and the dive shop, the you know, whatever it it leaves an impact. So that's really cool. I I feel like this was help. Hopefully, will be helpful for people. I feel like we need to wrap it up. We've been blabbing for yeah, a long time. Sure, I, probably two episodes. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's great. Like again, I I wish that this kind of stuff was out there when I was going through um, my my training and and looking at things. I mean, I say that at 24, I probably would have, wouldn't have listened to anyone anyway. Uh, so hopefully the younger generation is smarter than I was. <laughs> yeah. But yeah.
0: Well, I do think it's never too late, right? And I think yeah. I think to be a, a good instructor, it's just because you have that title now, at least this is the way I feel about it. It, it doesn't mean that I'm done learning how to be a good instructor. <laughs> There's always something to learn. Learning all the time. There's always experiences. Right? Yeah. That you can, my gosh. Just because you know you're an instructor with X agency, doesn't mean that that you shouldn't explore other opportunities to be a dive master somewhere else. Right? I mean, I think that the the professional side of things is is about seeing the game. That's, mm-hmm. that's at least my you know brief summary of it. And there's so many ways to put yourself in a situation to do that. Um, you know, yeah. to talk about you know crazy Komodo currents versus you know guiding someone through a cavern. Totally different, you know, versus yeah. shore diving in uh, in California, you know, tol- in, in the King Tide. Yeah, good luck. So, <laughs> continual learning is so important, and and all the principles of getting started, doing your research, building the relationship, all the things you talked mm-hmm. about, still apply to an ongoing relationship and ongoing learning. Um, you know, that's you know, we are the grunts as instructors, I think, and the beauty of that is that we also get. Those gritty experiences and it makes us better, it makes us good stronger. It's stories. That's good. <laughs> exactly good. Exactly. I'll wrap it up by saying this. Um, I'm glad I became a professional. Uh, it's such a weird industry in the sense that mm-hmm. professional doesn't mean you're actually good at it, it just means you can teach it, which we don't, mm-hmm. don't, you know, other, every other call it sport or, you know, activity or whatever also assumes, you know, pro but you become sponsored. But I'm glad for myself that I became a pro because it's put me in a position to um, help others have the experience that I wish I had had, and it's also put me in a lot of positions to to grow and to see things on my own diving in a you know very challenging tech dive. To you know, one of the struggles I have is I'm not the instructor in that dive, so mm. and I shouldn't be. So I'm not I'm not the one that's I'm a team member. So it gives you some challenges to really figure out and see your own diving and, and just open up your eyes a little bit more and to widen and deepen the experience of diving for you as an individual. I don't think it's an, a goal to try to achieve um, as a next step, if that's the next thing on your list. I think you have to love teaching or should want to love teaching. Um and should want to to be, you know, in that position where you're the the continual learner. Not just, well, the next thing I have on my list is instructor because that's what that, you know, list says. Um, I think that's, yeah, that's a struggle, so.
1: that's super important. And I tell everybody that, like, not everybody should be an instructor. That, yeah. I mean, I thought for the longest time that I wouldn't, you know, it was only once I got some experience teaching something else, something completely unrelated, that I was like, oh, yeah, that could be for me. Um, yeah, I... I agree. Like, hands down, I don't regret. Like, I'm super happy being an instructor. Um, I think it's important to mention that as an instructor, like, there are so many opportunities and ways that life can look. And so, getting an idea of what you you want your career to look like, it's important to to see the variety out there. Right? It doesn't mean that you have to be traveling all over the place um you could be part-time you could be freelance you could have your own business you know there's there's so many options and um and also to keep fun diving keep fun diving and doing stuff for you because if you're only getting in the water to teach courses you're gonna burn out and on top of you know aside from that tip um Take breaks if you need to. After everything that happened with 2020 and Indonesia clo- closing down and everything, like I took a full year where, I mean, more than that technically, but I did not pay, like I wasn't an in, in. Um, I, I dropped my teaching status for a full year because I was in like recovery mode, right. you know? And I think it's important to acknowledge that, you know, when we are, we're needing a break from something. You can still be diving and working on your skills and whatever, but maybe you need a break from teaching just those kinds of things. Anyway, let's wrap this up. This was great. Thanks so much. I don't know. Absolutely. What else do you say here? R- reach out well, to us.
0: <laughs> reach out to us. Yes. We should have said that at the beginning, but yeah. uh, hey, I think Sarah and I both, if, if you want to talk more about maybe your path to becoming an instructor and, and those sorts of things of the things that you're struggling with, uh, do I go this direction or that direction or how do I advance? Like, um, I think Sarah and I would love to, to talk to you about that and share more of our experience if this hasn't been enough, um, to share right. more and, and to give our two cents. And I think, um, I think at least I can say this for both of us a little bit is that we're both passionate about this activity, about diving and, mm-hmm. and want to see others that have shared that passion grow in it, whatever direction that goes. Um, So send us, send a message, J, J J-A-Y at thedivetable.com or Sarah with an H at thedivetable.com and, uh, and let us know how, how we might be able to assist your journey or things that you're struggling with. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you're not going to be a professional, great that that you don't need to feel any pressure to become that. You've now heard our journeys and our experiences of it. um, And you just want to be a diver. Awesome. Um, we, We encourage everybody to join the community at the dive table at thedivetable.com uh and become a yeah, part of and conversation. we have a
1: yeah and we have a Facebook group too so if you want to join that and share your experience or your questions there that's that would be really rad too.
0: Awesome. Well thanks everyone out there in the Scubaverse for listening and we'll see you on the next episode of the Dive Table. Peace. Dive Table is a production of Fish Dive Surf Incorporated and a member of the Fish Dive Surf Podcast Network. You can find out more at www.fishdivesurf.com.